Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks are retreating from records as a tumble in the price of crude sinks energy shares. West Texas Intermediate Crude down 2.6%, falling a dollar fourteen a barrel. 4305 right now on WTI. The 10 year down 230 seconds, the yield 1.57%, gold down 790 the ounce to 1315, a drop there of six tenths of 1%. S&P 500 index down seven to 2167, a drop there of four tenths of 1%. Dow Industrials down 85 to 18,485, a drop of five tenths of 1%. I'm Charlie Pallet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Low interest rates. Stocks, well, they are up about 6% year-to-date, measured by the S&P 500. Just last week, stock prices closing at a high for the second week in a row. But we have lots of uncertainty always in the stock market and for your investments. Tom Wilson is the Senior Investment Manager and Managing Director of Wealth Advisory at Brinker Capital, helping to manage $18 billion of customer assets. He joins us from Philadelphia. Tom, uh, great to have you with us. And uh, I, I don't know, are you going to be attending the, uh, the Democratic National Convention at all? Uh, hey, Pim. Thanks for having me. And uh, at the moment, that's not my plans, but I'll be certainly be uh, watching uh, on the television. All right. Well, the reason I brought up the the convention, and of course, it, it uh, begins tonight and is in uh, Philadelphia, uh, is what effect do you believe that the election cycle is having on investment strategy? Sure. Well, when you go back and, and look at years where there's an open election, which means the current president can no longer uh, run, you find that in this year, the stock market returns tend to go sideways, uh, as opposed to years where the current incumbent can run for president. And we think the reason behind that is simply the market doesn't like uncertainty. So when you have an open election, it increases the uncertainty as far as which party is going to take power. And uh, because of that, the market, it's more of an unknown and it acts as a bit of a bit of a headwind. Well, as someone who manages money for institutional and high net worth clients, uh, over the years, have you observed any correlation, any uh, real direct connecting the dots between, you know, who's in the White House and whether or not it really influences the economy and therefore the stock market that much. You know, Bill Clinton said it's the economy stupid years ago. Uh, you know, Donald Trump is advertising himself as a businessman who can get things done. As somebody who has to manage money, what do you look for in a candidate? Yeah, thank you, Kathleen. Well, on the first part of your question as far as what does the market tend to like, oddly enough, uh, the market tends to like uh, when there is a different party in charge of the White House compared to uh, the party that's in charge of Congress. So said another way, the market tends to like gridlock, surprisingly enough. Uh, I, we believe the thought process there is that when there's gridlock, it will be more of a uh, status quo, and therefore businesses know what the rules will, will be. And uh, as a result, businesses can plan accordingly, uh, make capital outlays, and be able to uh, spend the funds that they have. And it helps to take away a bit of that uncertainty as opposed to when one party is in charge of both the 
uh, executive branch and excuse me, in charge of the White House as well as in charge of Congress, then uh, you just don't know uh, all the rules that uh, may change. So it creates more of a more of an uncertainty there. Tom Wilson, what is the single, or maybe there are others, but just give us one mistake or one fail that you had in the last 12 months, Your one call that did not work out? Well, if there was one thing to, and there's obviously in the investment business, it's a, it's a humbling uh, business. So from time to time, you're, you're going to uh you know make uh uh mistakes uh, as you as you put it but probably the one item is we we underestimated how low interest rates would would go um why we felt that interest rates the fear of rates moving up rapidly was not a risk uh i think many investors did not anticipate rates continue to go down from the levels that they were just 12 months ago so what does that mean for you now when you've seen just how they could pick up and rally again, pushing those yields uh, to lows and even in some cases record lows again, particularly when you look outside the United States. I mean, it it just seems I know there's a way to invest in fixed income. I know it helps balance a portfolio. But in some in some sense, you say, man, oh, man, why would even look at bonds now? Sure. Well, part of that is because of the balancing of the portfolio. I mean, we, we do take a, you know, multi-asset class approach here at Brinker and where we think that fixed income is an important element of one's portfolio and it does help to hedge against uncertainty. So even if you get the interest rate direction call wrong, uh, when there's a geopolitical uh, event that takes place in the market that sort of shocks, uh, things such as Brexit back at the end of June, uh, having uh, a piece of your portfolio allocated to conservative, high-quality fixed income uh, will tend to do well in those periods of, uh, of uncertainty. Now, I, we also think, though, is that because interest rates are so low, uh, it does create a kind of a negative uh, headwind for the fixed income asset class. So we also like the idea of allocating towards absolute return vehicles. And absolute return vehicles tend to try to get a, a steady rate of return regardless of the overall uh, economic environment. So they tend to be uh, a lot less uh, interest rate sensitive. What's your call on energy companies? Well, what we see, energy has been very, very uh, interesting. Uh, in the uh, Today, particularly, you have a, a day where oil is down and the market's gone down along uh, with it as well. What we saw in the, in the first quarter is that the direction of oil and the stock market was highly correlated. So oil continued to go down and down during the first quarter. You saw the markets go down along with it as well. In the second quarter, as oil prices began to rise, you saw the market move up as well. And as the quarter progressed, you actually began to see that the price of oil and the price of the markets uh, became independent once again of uh, one another. So when oil is really, really low, it tends to be a negative harbinger of weak global growth as oil begins to rise and get out of that real low, low territory. When I say that, I mean $26, 30 $35 a barrel. Um, oil can trade independently of the, uh, of the market. As we think about energy companies, we're getting to that anniversary of really low oil rates. And as we look at the year-to-year comparables, oil prices are higher. The market is definitely anticipating better things from an earnings perspective coming out of the energy sector, which in turn should help the whole uh, S&P 500 as far as earnings growth as we move into the third and the fourth quarter of this year. Then what do you make of uh, the story today by uh, Bloomberg's own Mark Shank? 
Beware oil bulls. Just as U.S. oil production sinks low enough to drain supplies, demand is about to fall off a cliff. Consumption, gasoline consumption, that is, usually ebbs in August and September. And he said that as a lot of people worried that the price is going to start falling again. Yeah. Well, if, certainly if oil uh, demand falls off the cliff, yes, we're going to have a, a certain problem with the price of oil, and it will it will tend to it will definitely go down. Um, oil in general, though, of course, is a uh, you know a, a global uh, industry, so we need to really look at uh, global demand as well. And uh, not that long ago, the International uh, Energy Agency uh, Administration, excuse me, actually increased their uh, forward-looking uh, assumptions for global demand uh, up from about 800 uh, million barrels uh, for the year to close to 1.3, 1.4 billion. So what we're seeing uh, globally is on uh, on balance a little bit of an increase in demand for oil. At the same time, uh, globally, we've seen rig, comes, rig counts uh, come down as well. So we think that we're moving a little bit closer to a point of equilibrium. We're, we're not there yet, but we wouldn't be overly surprised in the next 6 to 12 months if oil was able to settle in more to equilibrium type of price. Do you foresee any increase in consumer spending? Do you think that consumer discretionary stocks will do well? Yeah. Consumer discretionary spending should be increasing as we continue to progress throughout the year. And there's a couple of data points that we would point to that uh, would back this up. Um, one is that you do have wages on the rise, and it's been shown that as wages go up, uh, consumer spending tends to go up as well. Uh, two is that home prices have not only been uh, uh, strong, but they've been increasing in price. Uh, most recently, you had the case Schiller, 20-city uh, home price index up 5.4% uh, year over year. So with interest rates being as low as they are right now, we would expect home prices continue to rise. The reason why that's important, the reason why that's significant is for the average consumer, their largest asset isn't their stock portfolio, but rather it's their house. So as the home price goes up, they feel more confident, and that tends to lead to, uh, to more spending. And, of course, we have that as in pace. S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index out tomorrow. Tom, uh, one more question. The Federal Reserve two-day meeting probably don't do anything on rates, but they send us a signal on the economy. How does that influence your outlook right now? Yeah, what you'll probably see is them signaling that uh, the economy looks good, but they're still concerned about uh, international markets, and thus they'll, they'll stand pat. And in all likelihood, uh, though they might raise the specter of a potential in, uh, rate increase, if not in September, but potentially more of a December uh, event. It, so if we saw something other than what I just described, uh, that might make us uh, make a change in our uh, capital market forecast. But for now, uh, what I just articulated is what we're expecting from the Federal Reserve. Tom Brinker, thank you so very much for joining us. He's Senior Investment Manager and Managing Director of Wealth Advisory at Brinker Capital with $18 billion of assets under management in Philadelphia. And yes, he is watching the convention closely, trying to figure out what it means for investors. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.